This morning, I'm going to speak on how to do the impossible part two. I started last week. And to some of you, this may be new to you. And some of you, you may stop and think, well, I always thought that way. Um, but I've never quite heard it that way. Last week, we found out that Jesus Christ was both man and God, but he could only behave as man. So here we have Jesus Christ, and, and next week we will, be, we will be celebrating his birth. So here we have Jesus Christ, born a man, but he is 100% man, and he's 100% God. And that is a mystery. But he only could behave as a man. If Christ had behaved as God, no one would have been able to see him. For this is what the Bible says. No one has seen God at any time. The only begotten God who is in the bosom of the Father. He has explained him. And so, in Philippians 2, the Bible says, But he emptied himself, taking the form of a bondservant in the likeness of a man. So Jesus Christ came to us as God in the likeness of a man. In verse 8, being found in the appearance as a man. So he appeared as a man. He humbled, himself, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. So here we have Jesus Christ, who is 100% man, 100% God, and he comes to us in the likeness of a man and the appearance of a man. But the Bible says that no man has seen God. And then in the, in the scripture, it says here in 1 Timothy 1.17, Now to the King eternal, immortal, invisible, the only God, be honor and glory forever and ever. Speaking about the Lord Jesus Christ, in Timothy 6.16, it says, Who alone possesses immortality and dwells in an unapproachable light? whom no man has seen or can see. To him be honor and eternal dominion. Amen. So, this is the part of the mystery, that God was manifested in the flesh. And in John 5.30, the Bible says, I can do, this is Jesus Christ speaking. He says, I can do nothing on my own initiative. As I hear, I judge, and my judgment is just because I do not seek my own will, but the will of him who sent me. Man was created in such a way that he could bear the image of God without God himself being visible. So that not the physical form, but the capacity to behave was designed to be the means through which Christ would work through the human being. It would be the way that he would demonstrate his nature and his character. In other words, it would be Christ living in you and through you. 
It would be God behaving in and through you. And just as Christ had total dependence on the Father, you and I can have that relationship in total dependence on Christ. Jesus Christ demonstrated that in many, he, he demonstrated in many miracles. And last week we looked at the feeding of the 5,000. Who Jesus took the bread, the five loaves and two fishes, every child knows the story. And when he had given thanks, he then distributed it. And he was asking the Father to bless and provide the food for everyone that was there. So who fed the 5,000? It was the Father through Jesus Christ. So let's take a look at another miracle. The death and the resurrection of Lazarus. It's recorded in John, the 11th chapter. Jesus had three friends, three very close friends, Lazarus and his sisters, Mary and Martha. Now, they lived just a few, few miles outside of Jerusalem in Bethany. And Lazarus was sick. And the sisters went to Jesus. And this is what they said. He said, he whom you love is sick. But the Bible says that Jesus stayed there two more days. And he stayed in, in exactly where he was. But then he heard that Lazarus had died. And he started to journey to Lazarus' home. And Martha heard that he was coming. And she went out to greet him. And this is where we pick up the story in John 11. Martha then said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Even now, this is the this is one of the most important scriptures, texts in the Bible. Even now, I know that whatever you ask of God, God will give you. And then, and Jesus said, remove, remove the stone. Martha, the sister of the deceased, said to him, Lord, by this time, there will be a stench, for he has been dead for four days. But Jesus asked them to remove the stone. And then the Bible says, and Jesus said to her, Did I not say to you that if you believe, you will see the glory of God? Now, <clears throat> when they removed that stone, Jesus raised his eyes. And he said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. Now, obviously, he had already discussed it with the Father. You know, we talk about how he reckoned with God. Well, this is what he did. He reckoned with God. And he says that, I thank you that you have heard me. And reckon means to rely on, trust in, depend on and so then in verse 42, the Bible says this, I knew that you always hear me, but because of the people standing around, I said it, so that they may believe that you sent me. 
And then it says in verse 43, And when he had said these things, he cried out with a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth. And he that was dead came forth. Christ was demonstrating a principle by which he had lived his supernatural life as a man. That the Father had sent him. And it's the same with us. Jesus Christ has sent us into the world. He sent us to live a life miraculously. In John 14, 12, the Bible says, Truly, truly, I say to you, he who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do also. And greater works than these, than these he will do, because I go to the Father. Now that text bothered me for years because it says here that he who believes in me the works that I do he will do also many years ago as I was pastoring a church there was a a man that called me from Grants Pass Oregon he called me and he says uh, Pastor Gary he said could you come down to the hospital in, uh, in Grants Pass I said, of course, but why? And he says, well, there's a little boy that's a member of a church here, their church, and he said that uh, they're, they're not sure that he will live. And could you come down? And I said, yes, I'll come right down. So I came down, and I asked, I asked the person, I said, could you have a couple elders of your church there? Um, so he, they made arrangement. A couple of elders were there. We went into the hospital. We took the oil and anointed him with oil. And the next morning, he walked out of the hospital. It was a great manifestation of the power of God that I had never witnessed before. Well, years went by, and I was called to uh, hold a crusade in Anchorage, Alaska. And I was up there, and they were... The atheists were protesting me. They had signs out there as people were coming in on opening night. And um, they were protesting me because I held the crusade in a public school. And um, <clears throat> they wanted to do, have a debate with me. And uh, I granted them that. I said I'd be glad to. But then when I read the paper the next morning, it said that, uh, that Gary Ellert was holding a crusade here in uh, Anchorage, and he's holding that crusade in a public school, and, and uh, we had talked to him, and, we be and he believes in divine healing. And so he says, we challenged him, if you believe in it, why don't you go empty out the hospital in Anchorage? And I thought to myself as I read that, a fair question, a fair question. And what do I really believe? Do I have the courage to go to that hospital and go from room to room and anoint people? And I thought, I don't. I don't have it. And so I didn't. And for a long time, that used to bother me until I learn to reckon with the Father. 
To reckon with the Father is to talk to God about it and ask God what his will is for you. What do I do with this particular situation? What do I do with this particular problem that I'm facing with? And then to believe that he will answer that prayer, that he will instruct you what to do. And I was caught up with the idea that I didn't understand what God wanted me to do. The Lord Jesus Christ wants to be to you all that the Father was to him. And that was God. And the quality of your life is based on reckoning with God, believing, relying, depending and trusting every situation to him. When we think about doing the impossible, I think about when I read in the Bible about Peter walking on the water. I think that's impossible to do. And then in Matthew 5, 25, we all know the story. It was just after he had fed the 5,000. He sent, he sent the disciples out to the sea. And then in Mark 14, 25, it says, And in the fourth watch of the night, he came to them walking on the sea. Now, you've already heard me say that Christ could only behave as man. So how did Christ walk on the water? If that is true, how could he walk on the water? He did it the same way that he fed 5,000 plus people, in the same way he raised Lazarus from the dead, he reckoned with the Father, and he took one step at a time. And for every step he took, he said, thank you, Lord. And when the disciples, the Bible says, and when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were terrified and said, it is a ghost. And they cried out in fear. And the Bible <clears throat> continues and says, But immediately Jesus spoke to them saying, Take courage, it is I. Do not be afraid. Christ was saying, All that you could ever need at any time, in any storm, I am. You have all that you need. Be not afraid. So what are our fears this morning? What makes you afraid? Is it unresolved life issues? Is it maybe anger that you may have or dysfunctional thoughts you can't understand why things go through your head like they do? Or maybe it's just unable to love and to be loved. Some are the product of pretending something in our lives is true, even if experience denies it. Everyone, every one of us encounters trouble at some kind. 
If you hurt, you are not alone. Christ was teaching his disciples that he was all that they ever needed. Now, those of us that have been Christians, we've heard that since we've been Christians. That Christ is all that you ever needed. And yet, we still remain empty in some areas of our life. I want you to notice what Peter's reaction was. He said this. <clears throat> Peter said to him, Lord, if it is you, if it is you, I can remember the first time I've said those words, if it is you. I was in a foreign land laying in the jungle, and I said, Lord, I don't know if it's true, but if it is true, if it is, if you could get me out of here alive, I'll change. And I did, as you heard me say before, I did everything worse. If it is you, command me to come to you on the water. But notice what happened. But seeing the wind, he became frightened, and he began to sink. Yes, Christ, or Peter, was doing the impossible. He was walking on water. But as soon as the winds blew and the waves start splashing on him, he started looking at himself and he says, man can't walk on water. And that's when he began to sink. The winds blew, and he became frightened. It's just like a lot of times we are the same. We become frightened with life. We don't know what's around the corner. And Jesus is there to say to us, all that I am, you have, you already have. Immediately, <clears throat> Immediately he stretched forth his hand and he took Peter. The Bible says he took him by the hand and Christ was saying to Peter, it's not difficult, Peter, to do the impossible. As long as you reckon with me, as long as you're relying on me, as long as you're depending on me, as long as you're trusting in me, it's not difficult. It's something that each one of us, we need to learn. In Hebrews 11:6, And without faith it is impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who seek him. When you reckon with God, as you depend on him, as you trust in him, as you speak by faith, you are God. And that's all I need to know. That's all I need to know. And I thank you, Lord, that I can leave this issue. I can take this problem and I can put it into your hands. And I can trust you that all things work for good for those who love you. And I love you and I know that it will all work for my good. And I praise you and I thank you that you have that problem in your hands. What it, <clears throat> this is what the Bible means 
when it says that we walk by the Spirit. It takes this kind of faith, takes this kind of trust to allow God to recreate his character in us and through us. You see, true God-likeness leaves the world convinced beyond a shadow of a doubt that the only explanation for you, the way that you live, the way that you talk to people, the way that you are concerned about people, is Jesus Christ. The only explanation for the way that that you live is that Jesus Christ lives in you. Timothy said it best, great is the mystery of godliness. And it truly is a mystery. God-likeness is the consequences of God's activity in you. Anyone has the capacity to imitate God. We see it all the time. In fact, just this past week, a lady said to me, I started going to, going to church because of, this lady invited me and we're very close friends. And she said, but after I went to church with them and with their family and everything, I began to see that they're very critical. And I began to see that they're quite judgmental. And she said, I found myself confused. And indeed, she would. When you reckon with God, when you depend upon him, trust in him, and you speak by faith, Lord, you are God. You are God. And that's all I need to know. I don't understand everything. I don't understand myself. But that's all that I really know, need to know. The moment that you come to realize that only God can make a man godly, only God can do it, then you are left with no option but to find God and to know God and to let God be God in you and through you. The bottom line is, It takes God to be a man. That is the way God intended man to be. You are left with no option. God created man to be inhabited by God and for God. When we place our faith in Christ, and you've heard me say it over and over again, A surgery takes place. It takes place at the very center of your core. You are created to be inhabited by God. We receive a new human spirit and God's spirit within us. Our own human spirit, which was dead to God, is exchanged for a new human spirit that is within us. It is only the Spirit of God acting within you that can enable you to behave like God wants you to behave. And keep in mind, when earth comes at you, 
Christ works in you. The book of Hebrews is God's call to enter into God's rest. We are to live by faith, faith in the finished work of Christ. And so my question is, are you resting or are you still struggling to earn God's favor? Do you still struggle with trying to earn God's forgiveness, trying to get his blessings? If you're struggling with that, you need to rest. You need to rest in ceasing from trying to be what God has already said you are. Resting in Christ is standing firm on his words. It is finished. God is satisfied with the work of Christ on your behalf. The question is, are you? Are you satisfied with it? There is no more begging and pleading for God to erase your past. Your past is past. It's been taken care of. You are a child of God. Holy, righteous, complete, and perfect in Jesus Christ. Whether you feel that or not, that is who you are. That is what Christ says you are. So we need to reckon with God. We need to believe and trust that what he says is true about us. We need to understand that we, we have been changed. You now can rest in the fact that you are no longer, you no longer have to try and clean up your flesh. You can't do it anyway. Quit trying to do it. Do you know that only 5% of the people go to church today? You know why? Because the only reason to go is supposed to be to, to meet with God, to hear God's word. But so many people today are so dissatisfied because it's all they hear is condemnation for the, what they are doing and the way they are living. And I know that there are some preachers that are mighty proud of being able to tell them that. The more legalistic you are, the more rules and regulations that you follow, you can write it down, the more judgmental you will be. And the more judgmental you will be, the more unhappy you will be. John 1, 2 says this. But as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become the children of God, even to those who believe in his name. You are a child of God. You believe in God. You've accepted God. You are a child of his. In Christ, as a child of God, you have his righteousness as your own. You can't make yourself more holy. You can try, and many of us have, and it just doesn't work. You can't make yourself more obedient by trying to keep the law. But you can do something. 
you can respond to the God who lives within you. And when you respond to the God who lives in you, the Holy Spirit alive in you will direct you, will control the way you think and the way that you act. And that's why the Bible says that we need to renew our mind. We need to think on heavenly things. We need to think on what is true about you and me. What is true about us is that we are accepted. What is true about us is that we are loved by God. Remember, the only thing that counts is faith expressing itself through love. I don't know about some of you, but one of the hardest things I had to learn was how to love. It comes easy for most people, I think. But for some of us, it's very difficult. We really do, do not even know what love is. And in my case, when I heard that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but everlasting life, I thought to myself, I don't understand this. I really don't understand this. And it took me years and years to understand just how much God loves me. And he loves me just the way that I am. But he's committed that he would transform me slowly but surely into his image. And that's when you've heard me say many times, Lord, I wish you'd pick up the pace. I wish you'd do it faster. But God knows what he's doing. We can have the assurance that he's doing it. And we can have the assurance that he will never leave us nor forsake us. He is with us all the way to the end. All the way. And no matter where we are along that path, he can't love us any more than he does right now. He's given us all of his love. He's given us our our new life in Christ. He's given us a new heart. He's given us a whole new belief system that we can trust him and believe. We can rely upon him and believe. The only thing that counts is faith expressing itself in love. Shall we pray? Our Heavenly Father, we are, we are so thankful for what you have done for us. We're thankful that your son, Jesus Christ, came to this earth and lived his life as a man, behaved like a man. And we thank you that he set the example that if he would rely upon his father and if we rely upon Christ, we too can have that same relationship. We thank you for loving us when we have been so unlovable at times. We're thankful, Lord, that you care when a lot of times we don't. But we're thankful that when we are faithless, you are faithful. And we praise you and we thank you from the bottom of our hearts for taking us into your family and for creating within us a new desire, a new desire to believe you and to follow you and to trust you. Bless us now, I pray, as we live out this day of, that you have given to us.
For we ask it all in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.